the book of Joshua this morning in your Old Testament. And uh, we're returning back to our journey through Joshua this morning. And uh, we're going to be reading. Uh, we, the last time we were in this book, we looked at the first 29 verses of the chapter. And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at verses 30 through 35. And so, if you would, please stand with me this morning. I'm going to preach a message today on the altar, the Word, and Calvary uh, from this passage in Joshua chapter 8, beginning this morning in verse number 30. I'll read the, let's see. I'll read the odd verses this morning. You read the even verses with me today, beginning in verse 30. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lift up any iron. And they offered their own burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side of the ark and on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well the stranger as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant, among them. Father God, we pray that your blessing be upon the reading of your word. Lord, as I preach now, I'm praying that you fill me with your spirit, that your power is evident to everyone that is listening. And I pray, God, that you would accomplish something this morning worthy of your name. Draw us all near to you. Save the lost sinner. Soften the hardest heart. Break us if need be. Just get us to a place, Lord where you can use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Since it's been a little while since we were in Joshua, I will spend a few moments in our introduction uh, reminding us of where we've been. We all know about Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. You're very familiar with that lesson. And after, after the Israelites defeated Jericho... They went to the next town as they were to sweep through the promised land according to God's promise in their history. The next town was a little town called Ai. Ai wasn't very big. Joshua sent some spies to seek it out and see what it was like. And they came back with the recommendation, you don't need to send the entire army, just send a couple of thousand. Ai is not very strong. We're very easily able to overcome it. And so uh, they did that. But what they didn't realize at the time was that sin had entered the camp of Israel. Achan had taken of the accursed thing. He had gone against the will and word of God. 
And he hid within his own tent a curse that God said for them to not be a part of. But he could not keep himself from it. And so when Israel sent their little band of uh, men into Ai, that small little village overcame them. Thirty-six men that day lost their life. It discouraged the people of Israel. It discouraged Joshua as the leader of Israel. He could not understand if God was with them and if God was going to help them. How could this happen? How is this possible? All of us can recognize that in our own life. If God is always with us and he promises to never leave us nor forsake us, how come sometimes trouble enters in our life and we don't always know the answer? Sometimes perhaps it is a sin that we have committed, that we have not gotten right with God. And sometimes something just happens. We don't recognize it and we don't understand it. And maybe it's God's a punishment in someone else's life, and we're just a part of that. We don't always know the answers to that. Joshua didn't know the answers, but he, he began to seek out the Lord. As a matter of fact, he was on his face praying. And God just told him to get up and stop praying. He just said, you know, there's, there's no use of praying over this. The problem is there's simply a sin that needs to be dealt with. And that's a lesson for us. We can pray for God's power and God's blessing and pray and pray and pray. But if there's a hidden sin in our heart that we're just refusing to get right, it doesn't matter how often we pray, God's not going to pour his blessing out on us until we get the matter right. Well, Joshua and the people of Israel, they got it right. Achan confessed his sin, lost his life and his families because every sin that we commit not only affects ourselves, but affects those nearest to us. There's a great lesson in that. But after the sin was dealt with, the Lord told them at the beginning of chapter 8, don't worry, I'm with you. And he says, I want you to go up and you're going to overtake Ai. This time Joshua sends 30,000 men into the city. And he sought the Lord's direction. How is it that we're going to win this battle? How are we going to win this particular war? And God gave them specific instructions of what to do. Half of the men were in hiding. Half of them went out and made themselves known. And they drew out the men of Ai out of the, out of the town. And when they drew them out, the ones in hiding came in and overtook the city. There was an ambush that was set up. And so on that day, they overcome all of the men of Ai. And there was a great victory in Israel. So coming fresh off this only God victory, both in Jericho and Ai, Joshua travels 30 miles north to Shechem. Now Shechem, the, I, I want to I set up the context and background of verses 30 through 35. Shechem plays a, an important role in the history of Israel. When Abram first left his land and entered into the land of promise that God was going to bless Abraham with and his children, generation after generation. The first altar mentioned in Scripture was built in the area of Shechem when, when Abraham first came to the land. In Genesis 33 through 34, when, 
when Jacob returned after being away from his family for all of those years, he returned back into the promised land. He lived there for a short time. And it was here that Jacob dug the well that you'll remember in John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman came to Jesus to get water at the well, and she had talked about Jacob's well. It's here that that was dug. And at the end of his life, Joshua would gather the people back to Shechem in Joshua 24. And there he would appeal to them to decide who they're going to serve, if they're going to serve the gods of the land or if they're going to serve the God of Israel. And he says the familiar statement in Joshua 24, verse 15, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, if you were to look geographically on a map, Shechem lies in the valley of two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And those are the mountains that we're referring to in this particular text this morning. In the valley there was about three miles in length, and it was narrow enough that, you could, that people could stand on each side, on each mountain, and their voices be heard as it went across. It just set up a natural amphitheater, if you would. And the area is located north of Jerusalem, nearly halfway between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. And in the times of Jesus, this area was known as the region of Samaria. Up at the Sea of Galilee, you had the region of Galilee. South of Jerusalem was Judea. And the region in between there was Samaria. It's the region that we looked at last Sunday when Philip went and preached Jesus Christ to the Samaritans in the region of Samaria. It's in this area that Philip preaches and many people become new believers. I want you to turn your Bible, hold your place in Joshua chapter 8. And I want us to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to read some verses here to set things up. Before Moses died, as he is leading God's people to the Jordan River, and he is delivering unto them statutes and judgments, he is delivering the Word of God. He, he gives them specific instructions when they finally got into the promised land of something they were supposed to do. And begin, let's begin reading in verse 1 and just follow with me. We're going to read down. No, let's start in verse 26, actually. Verse 26, and we'll read down to verse 32 of Deuteronomy 11. So Moses is speaking. He says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. Pretty simple instruction. Obey the word of God, blessing. Disobey it and do your own thing, cursing. He says in verse 29, And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Remember that, okay? The blessing is upon Mount Gerizim, the curse upon Mount Ebal. 
Are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way where the sun goeth down, which means they're the west of Jordan, in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the Champagne over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Moreh? For you shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein. And ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I before you this day, which I set before you this day. And you'll see in chapter 12 and verse 1, these are the statutes and judgments. So he delivers the statutes and judgments from chapter 12 to chapter 26. And go with me to chapter 27 now. After he delivers the statutes and judgments, he comes back to this Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim situation. We begin reading here in verse 1. We'll read down to verse 13. And Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when you shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set up great stones. All right? In, in Joshua 8, it said whole stones. Here it says great stones. So big boulders, big stones. And he says, you'll plaster them with plaster, and thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. Therefore it shall be when you, go, when you be gone over Jordan that you shall set up these stones which I command you this day in Mount Ebal that thou shalt plaster them with plaster. So the stones are going on Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing. And there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the of the Lord thy God of a whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon, thereon unto the Lord thy God, and thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there and rejoice before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt write upon the stones all the word, words of this law very plainly. And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God and do his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day. And Moses charged the people the same day saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerasim. We'll get to this in a moment, but while we're here, we're going to go ahead and look at it. He says, These shall stand upon Mount Gerasim to bless the people when thou art come over Jordan. Simeon and Levi, Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin, their families. And upon Mount Ebal, uh, these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, and Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. Now just watch this, okay? I'm going to read a couple of these verses and we'll move back to Joshua. They said, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image. An abomination of the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say what? Oh, that's pitiful. Y'all not, not listening to me. I lost you in reading, didn't I? 
All the, all the people said what? And then he says, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. And all the people shall say? I'm not even going to tell you this time. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to water out of the way. Amen just means so be it. It means I agree. That's what God's word says and so be it. Amen to that. Amen. So saying amen is Bible. All right? Let's go back to Joshua chapter 8. That sets things up for us. So why, after they defeat Ai, why did Joshua just suddenly say, well, let's go up 30 miles to Shechem and let's build an altar there. Why would he do that? Because Moses instructed him to do that. So he is following how God led God's man, and he's doing what God had instructed him to do. So when he gets there in verse 30 of our text in Joshua 8, he builds the altar, all right? And he built the altar in Mount Ebal, which is the Mount of Cursing. The Samaritans, they come later, okay? But when they come later, they build their own temple, and they worship upon Mount Gerizim, all right? And all that will come later. When I get back to Acts 8, we'll deal with that. But Joshua built an altar in Mount Ebal. And the altar was built on the Mount of Cursing. It takes a sacrifice to save sinners from the curse of the law, okay? So they didn't build the altar upon the altar of blessing, they built the altar upon the Mount of Cursing, Mount Ebal. And here when he builds this altar of stones, since they began their journey in chapter 1, this is the fourth public monument of stones that were built for a specific purpose. I'll just mention them. The, the first was built at Gilgal in Joshua 4 and verse 20 to commemorate Israel's passing over Jordan. Do you all remember me standing up here with that big stone on my shoulder? That was to commemorate them going across. The second was in the Valley of Achor. And it's in chapter 7 as a monument to God's judgment on Achan's sin. And the third was built in the entrance of Ai here in chapter 8 as a reminder of God's faithfulness to his people. And now this fourth one was erected in order to remind Israel that success lay only in their obedience to God's law. So let's... As a reminder, go back to chapter 1, all right? Chapter 1 of Joshua, verse number 7. God is speaking specifically to Joshua. And he says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. If you want the blessing of God, stick with the word of God. He says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. In my verse, in verse 9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. 
For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. God is with us when we stick to God's word. All right? If we stick to God, if we decide to go left or right of it, then God's blessing, success, his prospering on our life is not going to be there. If we want God's blessing and success in our life, it's related to our obedience to the word of God. And we have to be strong. We have to be courageous, not be afraid. We've just got to go with what God says. All right? So you go back to chapter 8. And he builds this altar of whole stones, as Moses commanded. I mentioned in Deuteronomy 27, verse 2, it's an altar of great stones. And none of them, none of them, Moses said, were to be cut or edged with any tool. And you can actually find that instruction in Exodus 20, verse 25. Every time they built an altar, it wasn't, man didn't shape it with his, with his hammer and chisel so that everything would fit perfectly. Because if everything fit perfectly, Dylan, everybody would say, wow, what an altar. And glory would be given to the one who shaped it and formed it. They just took the rocks as, as, as stones as God gave them. And they put that together and it was a, a, a pile of stones shaped together so that, so that our attention is placed upon God. And then he said that they were to cover them with plaster which means they were to be whitewashed. They took lime, a mixture of lime and water, and they washed those stones so that they were white, so that they could write the Word of God upon it, okay? And why, why did they do that? According to Warren Wiersbe, it was customary in that day for kings to celebrate their greatness by writing records of their military exploits on huge stones covered with plaster. But the secret of Israel's victory was not the wisdom of their leader or the strength of their army. It was, the obedient, it was their obedience to God's law. And so upon this altar, they offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. They sacrificed peace offerings. And they were to eat there and rejoice before the Lord their God who had given them this land. The significance of the burnt offering was it was a token of the nation's total commitment to the Lord God. We find that in Leviticus 1. In Leviticus 3, we find that the peace offerings or fellowship offerings were an expression of gratitude to God for his goodness. And so when they offered that offering, a portion of the meat was given to the priests. Another portion was given to the ones who offered it so that they could eat joyfully with a family in the presence of the Lord. So the altar was built where? On Mount Ebal, which is the Mount of cursing, not the Mount of Blessing, all right? So what did they do? They, they covered it with plaster. Verse 32, they began to write the Word of God upon the stones. And in verse 3 of chapter 27 in Deuteronomy, Moses said, write all the words of this law, that thou mayest go into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. He says in verse 8 of that chapter, to write it plainly so that it can be easily read. Now, look at verse 33 of our text. And here he says to divide the tribes. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side of the ark and on that side before the priests of the Levites, which bear the ark of the, of the Lord, as well the stranger as he that was born among them. And half of them were on Mount Gerizim. Okay, they were, the, they were on the south side. Half of them over against Mount Ebal, 
God's blessings always in the South. Amen? I figured I'd get a bigger amen than that. All right? Half of them. Six tribes were in the South on Mount Gerizim, six tribes in the North on Mount Ebal. And in the valley between the two mountains stood the priests, the Levites, and the ark, surrounded by the elders, the officers, and judges of the nation. And then verse 34 and 35 of our text, Joshua read all the words of the law. All the words. Chris, he read the blessings and cursings. You see what, do, you know, do you have any idea where I'm going with that? We don't pick and choose what we want to follow in God's word. He didn't read the blessings so that everyone would stay positive and the morale would be great. He also read the cursings because if we get away from God, this is where things are going to fall. He read it all. He read the blessing and the cursing. God's people said amen to what he read. He read the word of God. So you have the altar upon Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing. The blessings are being read on Mount Gerasim. And you have there the, the stones, they're whitewashed, and the word is written upon that altar. And the sacrifice is given that God required of them. For us, for us there's a hill called Calvary. There's a hill. For us today, we stand between two mountains. You have Mount Calvary, where the curse of our sin was placed. You have the Mount of Olives, where the blessing of eternity is promised. Upon Mount Calvary, the Word of God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh as of the only begotten of the Father and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ gave himself. He became a sin for us on the Mount of Cursing. He gave his life as a once and for all sacrifice for all of us so that we would have the hope of eternal blessing. And one day, Jesus will return upon the Mount of Olives. And he'll set foot upon this earth and he'll reign for a thousand years. Those which are alive and remain when he first comes in the clouds will be called up together to meet the Lord in the air. And when he comes and sets foot on this earth, we return with him. And at that time, we have the blessing of knowing God and being in his presence without sin for an, for an eternity. But it took the cursing to get us to the blessing. And it took the altar... And it took the word being placed upon the altar. And it took his willingness, his sacrifice to give himself for our sin, for my sin, so that we could enjoy the blessing of forgiveness and the hope of heaven.
When we read of the Old Testament and we read of the sacrifices and the altar that was given, that was just a temporary cover their sin. But it's always pointing to Jesus Christ. It's always pointing to what He has done for us. And we stand in that valley today. There God judges our sin. And every person, every person now, who chooses not to be God's people, John chapter 1 and verse uh, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. In verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Those who receive him, God gives the power to become the sons of God. So that with a cursing, we can, all God's people can say, Amen. And with God's blessing and hope of heaven and eternity, all God's people can say, Amen. But it's all because of what God has done for us. And those Canaanites... Those people of Ai and Jericho, all of those people that Israel's about to come through and take their land are people who have rejected God, have cursed His name, created their own gods, and said, we're not going to be the God of Israel. We're We're not going to follow Him. We're not going to be His people. Every person today who rejects Jesus Christ rejects the hope of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Every person that John speaks of at the end of chapter 3 and verse 36, he that believeth the Son hath life, but he that believeth not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him forever. Every person who says, I don't want any part of that offering and sacrifice will have to stand for themselves. And the wrath of God abides forever. God's blessing upon the people of Israel is when they stuck to the word of God. And his word says that we're sinners who deserve death. Death that deserves hell. But with God's offering, once and for all offering for our sin, He offers us the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us the blessing of eternity. Let's bow our heads this morning.